I want to start the service with three different stories. And I encourage you as I'm telling these stories to listen to them and find what's similar in all three of them. There's something in common with them. They're all three different stories, but there's one key thing that is very common. This first one takes place in a communist nation several, several years ago. And the government, the communist government, made it a law that Bible studies, church services, much like this one, were illegal. And there were believers, there were family believers who, they were willing to sacrifice that. And the government said that if you were to meet in a place much like this one, you would either be arrested or you were to be killed. And so the family of believers were determined that they weren't going to waver in this. So they gathered in a church much like this one. And then the communist soldiers, the government found about this, and they stormed through the doors, strapped with guns and military artillery. And the soldiers walked down to where the center of the Bible study was happening, and they took the Bible that the pastor was using, and they threw it on the ground. And the soldiers said, we will kill you if you do not spit on this book of lies. And so the soldiers, they pointed to someone, and they ushered them to come forward, and they made him get on his knees, and this was an older man, and he was shaking, he was frail, he was frightened, he had no idea what was going to happen. So he gets on his knees, and without hesitation, he spits on the Bible. And the soldier behind him, who has a gun pointed at his head, says, you're free to go. And then after that, the soldiers point to a younger lady, and the lady comes up, and she's shaking, she's scared, she's terrified. And she gets down on her knees, and she just puts a little spit just to get her by. And she's free to go. But then, as this is all happening, a little girl in the back of the room, she's about 16 years old, she raises up, stands forward, and she comes up. She gets down on her knees. There are no tears. There is no shaking. There is no trembling. She gets down on her knees. She takes her dress, and she wipes off the spit of the Bible. She murmurs a prayer. It says, Father, forgive them for what they are about to do. And at that moment, they pull the trigger. Or there's another story. This past summer, I met a really good friend of mine. His name is Jacob. And Jacob, all he wanted to do when he grew up was he wanted to be a police officer. And immediately following high school, he went into the police academy. And he excelled in it so much so that he graduated at 19 and he was added into the police force in the state of Georgia at the age of 19. And he excelled in his job. He excelled in it so much that his police chief gave him the brand new Dodge Challenger to ride around the block in because that's how good he was doing. But one day as Jacob was living his dream that he always wanted, he was spending time with the Lord and he got a little nudging from the Lord saying, post this biblical truth about who I am on your social media. And Jacob, without hesitation, he does it. And a couple days go by 
And then his police chief calls him in to go into his office, and Jacob sits down. He has no idea what it's about. And the police chief says, Jacob, we're going to need you to delete that post. Because what you said has offended some people. And at that moment, Jacob faced a decision that he didn't know he'd have to make. And the police chief said, Jacob, if you don't delete this post, we're going to have to let you go off the police force. Or you can just delete the post and nobody will know a thing. Jacob, being the man of God he is and standing firm in his commitment to Christ, he does not waver. He does not delete the post. He loses his job. He loses his dream job. Or there's another story. There's a mother. She's got several kids. And recently she hasn't been feeling too well. But she's got an upcoming doctor's visit. And as she steps through the doors of the doctor, she realizes that everything in her life is in question. Her own life, her job. But as she walks through this door, face to face with uncertainty, she says to herself, the one thing that is not uncertain is my relationship with my God. And she sits down with the doctor, and the doctor says the words that she did not want to hear. It's cancer. And as tears begin to stream down her cheeks, she walks out of the doctor's office, and she gets to her car, she sits down, hands on the steering wheel, she takes a deep breath, she closes her eyes, and she says, I am all in, Lord. I don't know where you're taking me, I don't know where we are going, but I am all in. And as she's driving home, she turns on the radio, she turns on K-Love or Air One or whatever it is to listen to worship music. It's the one thing that she knows to do in moments like these. She knows that in moments like these, she is made to praise her God, even in the face of one of the most horrendous things that this world offers. See, all three of these stories, they have something in common. I don't know if you caught it, but all three of these stories, real stories, very different, but there is one thing in common. All three of these people said, I am all in, Lord. That's what I want to get across today. Being all in for Christ. Being sold out to Jesus. When Sherm asked me a couple weeks ago to preach on a Sunday that I was going to be back, I was happy to take up the opportunity. And he mentioned that he was going to be doing a sermon series at the beginning of the year about being in for Christ. Being all in for Christ. And in the next couple weeks, you're going to hear so many stories and verses, and passages, and you're going to have so many conversations, and some of you might even face decisions where you are going to be demanded to go all in for Christ. But if there's one thing I want you to grab from this, and as a matter of fact, if there's one thing I want you to build the year of 2024 on, it's this. Jesus is all in for you. Go all in for him. So before we get into the text, will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you have presented us with this morning where we can gather as a family and worship you and praise you and just learn about more who you are. Lord, I ask that as we are gathering here that we can have conversations, that we can listen to what you are saying to us, Lord, that you can strike change within our hearts so that we can become more like you. Lord, give us the strength and the wisdom to follow you 
to become more like you, to be sold out to you. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. The passage we're going to be looking at this morning is Luke 5, 1 through 11. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, there is a Bible right in front of you in the pew, and the page is 808, so you basically have no excuses at this point. But there's that for you. But as you're turning to Luke 5, 1 through 11, I want you to imagine something. You're a fisherman in the Mediterranean Valley, and as a fisherman, this is the only job that gives you a good lifestyle to a degree. If you catch a lot of fish, you get a lot of money. And if you don't catch a lot of fish, you don't get a lot of money. If you don't get a lot of money, you can't supply for your family. If you get a lot of money, you can pay off your debts to the Roman government. But this is the situation that our gentleman in the story, Peter, Simon Peter and Andrew, are in. They're in a moment where they need God and his provision. So without further ado, I'm going to read the first few verses of this passage. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Jesus asked him to put out a little further from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. And Jesus answered, Master, we worked all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Right here at the beginning of Luke 5, we are seeing what it looks like to be all in for Jesus. This is the first point I want to make this morning. If we are going to be sold out to Jesus, we have to be sold out to his identity. Now let's try to understand this. Peter and Andrew, the career fishermen, it's all they know what to do. Some guy comes up to them. His name is Jesus. They've heard a lot about him. As a matter of fact, they're introduced to him by John the Baptist. And they tell, Jesus tells the fishermen to drop a net on the other side. But this is where things get interesting because Peter and Andrew face a decision where they could trust the command of this guy who's just telling them to throw it on the other side of the boat. But John 1, 40 through 42 says this. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. From this passage, we can see that Andrew had already met Jesus and introduced his brother Simon to Jesus as well. Now this was not a magical encounter where the sounds of Jesus' words hold some strange sway over the hearts. They already knew Jesus. Jesus was commanding them to make a decision, a decision to trust him and his command to cast their net to the other side. Something that seemed so insignificant, yet was so huge and pivotal. See, Peter and Andrew, they had to make a decision that was rooted in who they knew Jesus to be. When we go all in for Jesus, or we're going to be sold out to Jesus, we must first know who we are going all in for. Throughout the Bible, there's a plethora of accounts of men and women and stories after story embarking on extraordinary journeys simply by knowing who they are following and truly entrusting their life to. Abraham knew who God was, and because of that, he was willing and he was ready to sacrifice his one son that he begged for for years 
Moses was called out of a place of comfort and hiding to go lead an exodus of people out of slavery. Moses would not have done this if he had not known who the God was who was calling him to do things that he was called to do. Story after story, men and women know who God is and they commit and trust their whole lives to him simply because they know who he is. When we're going all in for Jesus, there's a part of us that has to know we are entrusting ourselves to someone that Psalm 1830 says this, his way is perfect, the Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Now when we face a decision to go all in for Christ, I am reminded of the story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, actually of all time, is the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. The three men in the book of Daniel, they were demanded to bow down to a gold statue of a human king, and if they did not, they were going to be thrown into a furnace. This is what they say in Daniel 3, verse 18. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. These three men knew that their trust in God and their commitment to him was found in his identity. So no matter what you face, return to the fact that God is simply greater than whatever it is that is before you. The Bible, the very book that you hold within your hands right now, is the truth to life. It reveals who God is wherever you go, and with that you can come to know who he is and where he is calling you and what he is calling you to do. You can lean on him. You can trust him. You can be sold out to him because you were sold out to his identity. Let's pick up back where we're in Luke 5, continuing with verses 6 through 10. When they had done this, they enclosed, they captured a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. There's so much to take from this part of the text this morning. These men, Peter and Andrew, were desperate. They were in need of deliverance. But they had very very little left to try, so they trusted the man who gave them a command. And they followed, and all of a sudden they had more fish than they could ever dream of. There's something to say about this passage of Scripture. If we're going to be sold out to Jesus, we have to be sold out to his accomplishments as well. That's my second point this morning. We have to be sold out to Jesus' accomplishments. When we face a decision to trust God and go all in, For him, we must return to not only who he is, but what he has done and what he is capable of doing. To be all in for Jesus is to be sold out to his accomplishments. I find it to be very interesting and convicting at the same time that as soon as the men in the boat pulled the net over, at least tried to pull the net over, Peter gets to his knees and begs for mercy and pleads for Jesus' forgiveness. He even goes so far to tell Jesus, depart from me, for I have nothing good to offer you. This moment proves pivotal for Peter 
if you know his story, because several years later, in the face of persecution, Peter is faced three times with a decision to deny Christ or to accept him. Much like Peter, we can return to the facts, the memories, the moments, the goodness of God in the face of adversity or uncertainty. We can return to a certain God in uncertain times. When I mention Jesus' accomplishments, I could mention his marvelous miracles, his stunning messages, his heroic healings, his absolutely amazing confrontations with the governing leaders of the world's largest empire. But there is no greater accomplishment than the cross. When we as followers of Christ approach any and every situation, we must always have what Christ did on the cross in mind and in heart. With what Christ did on the cross, we have the strength to approach anything. We have the assurance to conquer anything. We just have to be sold out to his accomplishments and what he has done. One day, a father decided to take his son to the nearby park. And as soon as the son gets to the park, he spots a a sandbox over in the area, and he runs over there, as a little kid would do, and he starts digging, like a dog almost, and he starts digging and digging, and then he finds little rocks within this sandbox, as a little kid would do, he tosses it out, and now he's determined to get all the rocks of the sandbox out, and as he's digging and digging, finally his nails come across a rather big stone, and as a little kid, he doesn't necessarily have the strength pick up the stone. So, but as a little kid, he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, and he's going to get it to the edge of the sandbox where the sandbox meets the grass, and he, he gets it to the border of the sandbox and uses all his strength, all his might. He lifts it, but he just doesn't have enough. And he's very frustrated by this, so much so that he begins to throw a tantrum, and as the father does, he, the father gets off the bench where he's sitting he goes over to his son and he asks his son, why did you not use all the strength that was available to you? And the son replies, I did, daddy. I'm just not strong enough. And the father says, no, you didn't. You didn't ask me. Jeremiah 17, 5-9 says this, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Family of Central, we cannot do this alone. We all know that we have various situations within our lives this very second where we are made not 
to lean on our own perspective, our own strength, our own wisdom, our own perspective. But rather, we were made, we were created to lean on Jesus. Jesus and his finest and his greatest accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment known to mankind ever, the cross. Just as Peter and Andrew were in a moment of desperation and decision, they leaned on something greater than what they could offer themselves. And his name was Jesus. They obeyed him because they knew who he was. But not only that, but they relied on him to deliver for them because of what he was about to do and what he had done. These two men were sold out to Jesus' identity, his accomplishments, and third, his mission. Let's finish our passage in Luke 5, picking up in verses 10 through 11. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Can you imagine this? These guys just caught the biggest load of fish known to mankind, basically. And they drop everything. And they follow him. They follow Jesus. They follow the mission that Jesus is giving them. They are being called to fish, not for fish, but to fish for men. They have no idea what that means, but they're all in. This brings us to our third point, our final point, being sold out to Jesus' mission. For the next three-ish years of Peter and Andrew's life, they will follow Jesus. They will see Jesus do some of the most crazy stuff. Jesus will heal some of the most notorious diseases known to mankind, go head-to-head with the governing authorities of the largest empire known to mankind, and actually they will see Jesus change the message on what love means entirely. But through all of this, Jesus gives his disciple a mission. To go fishing. To go fishing for men and women. To bring them to know God and become like God through any and every trial. In the Jewish tradition, a rabbi's followers who were studying under the rabbi, they went everywhere with the rabbi. They, they wouldn't just hang on his every word and learn theology from him. These students followed him everywhere so they could mimic what he did. They didn't just want to know what he knew. They wanted to do what he did, live as he lived. Anne Spangler says this about a rabbi. To follow a rabbi involved a literal kind of following in which disciples often traveled with lived with and imitated the rabbis, learning not only from what they said, but what from they did, from their reactions to everyday life, as well as the manner in which they lived. This approach to teaching is much more than a traditional apprenticeship than a modern classroom. Jesus still says to us today, follow me. He never told us to gain a lot of knowledge about him, but rather to be with him, to remain in him, 
as John 15 says. And then to live as he would in our place, to do what he did. But to become like him, to go all in for him, these followers, these disciples had to give up something. They were to go all in Jesus, go all in for him, but it had a cost. You can see Peter and Andrew's cost. They had to let down the net of something that they were hoping for. See, when we're called to follow Jesus and literally give up everything and follow him, there are some areas that we might have to give some stuff up. Some stuff that's truly significant. First one is our way of life. All the disciples had known their whole life was fishing. They learned it from their fathers. It was their job. It was their livelihood. They grew up next to the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's pretty practical to go fishing. Fishing was the way that they took care of their families, pay the taxes. For them to give up fishing and pursue a different career would be completely unimaginable for them. Fishing was a part of their identity, but the disciples were willing to give it up. To follow Jesus. Following Jesus changed their identity, their very direction on which where their lives were headed. It meant being surrounded by people rather than fish and nature and smelly boats. It meant giving up some source of income and security. How were they to make money following Jesus? How could they take care of their families? They probably didn't have the answers to those questions, but they believed in Jesus and they followed him anyway. They were all in. Second one is this. Our sin. A lot of people like to try to put one foot in God's kingdom and another foot in the world. They like to feel the peace of being part of God's family and joining the church and the safety of thinking they have eternal life. And at the same time, they like to keep their own lifestyle. Some things in their lives they don't want to give up. They are enjoying the world too much. Now, does Jesus welcome all kinds of people? The, uh, the answer is always going to be yes. Yes, Jesus will welcome you no matter what sin you have done. Jesus is happy to have you as his follower. He let the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and all the lowest sinners in society become his followers. But he did not welcome their sin or allow them to follow him without changing their lives. He told the adulteress in John 8, who was about to get stoned, to go her way and sin no more. Much like that. When Zacchaeus became a follower of Jesus, he first went back to the people he had cheated and paid them back what he had stolen and even more. To follow Jesus, we must forsake our sin. Jesus gives one simple command. One simple call. One simple mission. To follow him. But sometimes, as humans, in the face 
of decisions to follow him, we let our sins, we let our wants, our desires, our insecurities, our doubts block us from going all in. In the final minutes of this message, I hope it becomes abundantly clear that Jesus is worth going all in for, all in for his identity, all in for his accomplishments, and all in for his mission. Do you remember those three stories I told at the beginning of this message, which seems like forever ago for some reason? The 16-year-old girl laying down her life in the face of persecution, or my friend Jacob, who laid down his dream job that he wanted his whole life, or the mother who was now dealing with the battle of cancer. I don't know if you caught it, but they all have something in common. Completely different stories, but they all have something in common. They were all in. They were sold out to Jesus. They knew that in the face of the most horrendous things in this world, in the face of some of the most horrible things that this world could offer, they stood and they said, Jesus is worth it. And because of that, I am all in. I'm in. The follower of Christ becomes sold out when they realize the price that was paid for them. And that was Jesus' very life. It's not that they can't be bought, it's that they are sold to the highest bidder. Jesus went through agonizing suffering so they could become his. He was whipped and he was beaten. He was insulted by Roman soldiers. His reputation was thrown in the mud. Jesus endured nails hammered into his hands and his feet. His body hung on the cross until he could breathe no more. And every single bit of that, he would do it all over again just for you. That makes him the only person, the only thing within our lives to be sold out for. C.S. Lewis writes this in his famed book, Mere Christianity. Christ says this, Give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I just want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but I want to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones which you think are wicked. The whole outfit, I want it all. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Church, the choice is yours. You are either all in or you're all out. Because rest assured, there will come a moment, a decision, a situation where you will be demanded to be as Christ, and that requires being sold out to Jesus. And all of this starts in the heart. I don't know where you are today, but I encourage you, 
if need be, take a literal step forward and talk to the leaders of this family. Talk to a trusted one and figure out who this Jesus guy really is and who he really is for and what he really is capable of. Now, as we depart here and step into a world that is sold out to anything but Jesus, I want to remind you of those who have gone before you. In the face of uncertainty, Abraham did not waver in his willingness to sacrifice for Christ. In the face of scrutiny, Noah did not flail away from the mission that God had given him. In the face of incapability and doubts, Moses did not flounder away from where the Lord was leading him. In the face of fear and worry, Daniel did not waver in his commitment to honoring Christ in the face of a persecuting government. In the face of persecution and pain, the apostles Peter and Paul and all the rest of the apostles did not walk away from Christ in all who he was and all that he had done. In the face of trial and tribulation, the family of Central Christian Church of Rockford, Illinois, did not waver in their wholehearted commitment of being sold out to Jesus because Jesus was sold out to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather here as a family. Lord, I pray that as we depart here this morning, we go into our different ways of life, Lord, I ask that you provide us opportunities to represent you. Lord, present us opportunities to go all in. Lord, make it aware to us that these times demand, demand us to be like you. And Lord, I pray that you give us the strength and the wisdom <coughs> and the faith to do that. Lord, it's your name we pray. Amen.